You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I'd like to invite you to a place that we go almost every single week, the book of Deuteronomy. When was the last time, really, when was the last time you were in the book of Deuteronomy? Probably, probably like that one time in like February as you're reading through the Bible or March when you get there, and then that's probably it. Uh, we're going to spend some time looking through Deuteronomy chapter 32 through 34 today as we finish up um, our series on the life of Moses. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and it really is my privilege to be able to open up this portion of scripture to you this morning. As you guys are, are turning there, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever purchased something online or at, at an actual store, and the price that you end up paying is way higher than what you expected to? You guys ever done that? Happens to me like all the time. And like we can all probably agree here. I know we're all different and we have different opinions. We can all probably agree on this. Hidden fees are the worst. Amen. We're going to, from right here at Grace Bible, we're going to make a difference. No more hidden fees. Hidden fees are terrible. They're terrible. Um, as you guys, if you're making plans for your summer vacations, um, any time that you book a room, probably by the end when you actually get to book it, that price is way higher than what you actually thought you were going to pay. Anytime you book a room with, with Airbnb, there's always like a cleaning fee or there's always a service charge. Um, nowadays, they have things called convenience fees. They literally are like if you pay a bill online, you, you pay a fee for paying that bill online. You literally pay a fee for paying your bills. Or if you go to, if you get tickets for a baseball game or a concert, there, there's a processing fee, which sometimes equals the amount of the ticket you just bought. So I know every time we go to, like, see the, the Rail Riders play, that processing fee is, like, almost as much as that ticket itself. Crazy. And we're going to make a difference beginning right here. But even though we've all purchased these things and we've, we've had to deal with hidden fees, I'm not here to gripe all day about convenience fees and processing fees. I want to show you something else. Because I believe that this concept holds true not just in our purchases. This concept holds true also in the cost and consequences of our sin. And maybe you're, you're new to church or that word sin is something brand, brand new to you. Um, sin, as defined in God's word is anything that we think, speak, or do that is contrary to the will of God for our lives. It's anything that we think, any, th any words that we say, any actions that we take that go against what God desires for you. That is called sin. That is when we do not reach the righteous, holy standards of a righteous and holy God. And church, this is what I can tell you today about sin. Sin is this. I want to re read you this quote. It says, sin will take you farther than you ever expected to go. It will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will cost you more than you ever expected to pay. Let that sink in for a moment. That sin, the cost of it, and we've all dealt with these, these times in our lives where we try to rationalize doing something contrary to God's word. We've all done it. We've all been there. But sin will always cost more than we think it will. 
And as we look at the end of Moses' life today, we're going to see that sin separates us from God's blessing. That sin spreads farther than ever expected and steals what could have been. And church, if you forget everything else from today, I want you to, you to remember this one truth, that the pleasure of sin is never worth the price that we pay. Never is. So before we dig into Deuteronomy 32, let me just take a moment to pray over our time in God's word. Heavenly Father, God, we are about to enter into, in my opinion, one of the most heartbreaking portions of Scripture in, in all of the Old Testament, God. Where we're, we're going to see your servant Moses, who had served you faithfully for 40 years, who had brought your children out of Egypt, who have led them through the wilderness, God. But at the very end of his life, chose to do things his way instead of your way, God. And it cost him dearly. And Father, as we approach your word today, all of us are struggling with areas of our lives, God, where we are doing our own thing instead of submitting to your will. And God, I pray today, as you did in my heart over the last few weeks, God, Lord, that you would just open up our eyes to the consequences of sin. I pray, God, that your spirit would, would bring conviction today. I pray, God, that we would see your compassion through all of this and see, God, that you haven't left us without a way out as we see the hope that we have in Jesus. So, God, I pray, Lord, that our time today would be one that is rooted solely in what Scripture says and that we would see your faithfulness and mercy through all of it, Father. And I pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So church, the book of Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 32, we're going to be in beginning in verse 48 is where we're going to be. So I want you to find that spot. If you don't have a copy of scripture with you today, you can turn to page 175 in that pew Bible. And we're, we're going to read in just a moment. But I want you to understand what the book of Deuteronomy is. The book of Deuteronomy is really, it's Moses re-giving the law to God's people. You see, when Moses first gave the law in, in the book of Exodus, Moses was giving it to, to the older generation. Moses was, was giving it to really the parents of the people that were going to enter into the promised land. And those parents all had been unfaithful to God and all had, did, did not believe that they could actually, that God could provide for them in the promised land. So God spent 40 years walking them around the wilderness until they had all passed away, except for a few of them that actually believed. And so Moses, before they enter into the promised land, they are right on the, right on the cusp of it. Moses spends the first 32 chapters of Deuteronomy re-giving the law to this new generation of God's people. I don't know about you, but I have four young kids, and whenever we go somewhere, especially where there's going to be a lot of people, or really not, really any time we go out, on our way to that spot, Melanie or I will take a few moments to really just like debrief the kids. All right, kids, this is how we expect you to act. This is who is going to be there. This is what's going to happen, just to give them an opportunity to kind of process beforehand the expectations that, that, we, that we expect them to kind of live by as we're at said event. 
Deuteronomy is Moses' recapping of God's people, saying, okay, this is how you are to live when you enter into the promised land. And Moses spends 32 chapters doing just that. But I want to pick up our story here in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 48. Why don't you read with me here? It says, that very day the Lord spoke to Moses, the very day that Moses gave God's law to his people, that very day the Lord spoke to Moses and says, go up this mountain of the Arabim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab opposite of Jericho, and view the land of Canaan which I am giving to the people of Israel for a, for a possession, and die on the mountain which you go up and be gathered to your people as Aaron your brother died in Mount Or and was gathered to his people because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Mirabah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zen and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel for you shall see the land before you but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. The very day that God spent prepping the children of Israel to go into the promised land, God says, you're going to go up to the mountain, view it, see all of it, but you're going to die today. I'm going to take you to myself. Church, this is one of the most heartbreaking passages, like I said, in, in the entire life of Moses, in the entire series that, that, that we've been walking through. Because Moses, the guy who led them out of Egypt 40 years before, who had led them through the wilderness, wouldn't be able to lead his people into the promised land or experience the promised land for himself. And this is where we see the first unexpected consequence of sin. We see that sin separates us from God's blessing. Sin separates us from God's blessing. You see, it was a blessing of God. God had promised uh, Moses and the people of Israel, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, not for the purpose of only getting out of Egypt. I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to take you to a place where you can call your own, where you can raise your families, where, where, you can, where there's going to be fertile soil for, for, you, for you to grow crops in. I'm going to take you to a land that, that I have been planning for you for years to come. But he says, Moses, you're not going in there. And I don't have the time, we don't have the time this morning to go back to Numbers chapter 20, but God gives Moses a reason why he's not able to come in. And in Numbers chapter 20, uh, really Moses had been leading the people throughout the wilderness for 40 years, and they came to a spot where they had no water. And the children of Israel did something. You can probably guess it. What do you think the children of Israel did when they had no water? Complain. Good. You guys all have kids. You guys all know. That's what they do. They get thirsty, they complain. At least mine do. A lot. Yes, they complained. And so they came to Moses and Aaron and says, what are we going to do? Why did you lead us out of Egypt? We at least had water there. And so Moses and his brother Aaron came to God. And they, they went into his presence and says, God, what would you have us do? And God says, Moses, I have a plan. He says, I want you to take, take, the, take the rod, the staff, the same staff that parted, parted the waters of the Red Sea, the same staff that turned the Nile River into blood. I want you to take that staff, and I want you to gather all the people together. And I want you to find a rock, and I want you to command that rock to bring forth water. Crazy plan. 
But Moses said, all right, let's do this. So Moses took the rod, and he gathered all the people together, and something within Moses just flipped. And Moses went off the deep end. And I get it. I've been there. Moses saw the faces of all those people that for the last 40 years have just complained, 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 and Moses went off. And Moses says, you rebels, why do you come for me for water? He's like, I'm going to show you today. I will produce water for you. And he took that, that staff and he hit the rock two times. And God, in his graciousness, still provided water. But God was going to use that moment in the life of God's people to remind them that even the spoken word of God could provide for their needs. And instead of Moses pointing people back to God and God's goodness and God's power, Moses' sin stood in the way of people seeing the goodness of God. And instead, all they saw was Moses' rage, anger, and sin. And God said, because of your response, Moses, and not doing what I commanded you to do, you're not entering into the promised land. Your people will, but Moses, you're not. And we see through that, we see this, this concept that sin separates us from God's blessing. Because you see, Paul, Paul David Tripp has this amazing quote here. And we all, we've all had believed this lie before. And he says, the grand delusion of any act of sin is that we can be disloyal to God and everything will work out in the end. The grand lie that you and I have all believed about sin is that we can be disloyal to God, not follow his best, not follow his plan, not obey his commandments, and everything is going to work out in the end. And if you're there sitting and thinking, well, I don't, I don't really believe that, let, let me push on this a little bit. See, many of us have believed the lie that we can live however we want and still experience God's blessing. We believe that we can date whoever and however we want. And God is going to bless that relationship. We believe that we can treat our spouse and lead our families any way that we want. And God is still going to pour out his blessing upon our households. We believe as a nation, as a culture, that we, can, that we can go and live any way that we please and pursue anything that we want. And whenever Memorial Day or July 4th comes around, we sing those songs and we expect God to continue to bless our nation in a way where we've turned farther and farther away from Him. We have made God the perpetual Oprah. You guys ever seen the Oprah show? Where like every, you know, every so often she gives everyone in the studio audience a car or whatever. Like, you get a car and you get a car. We believe God is that same way, don't we? doesn't matter what you've done, but if you're a child of God, you're going to get all the blessings. And I'm going to continue to bless you and make his face shine upon you just because you're one of his children. But church, that is the lie that we've all believed in. Because you see, in the book of Galatians chapter 6, we, we see that God's blessing now is linked really to our obedience. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, it says, Do not be deceived. Don't believe the lie. It says, God is not mocked. For whoever, whatever one sows, that he will also reap. 
For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit reap eternal life. And this principle, for any of you farmers out, here, out there or anything that ever planted anything, it's a principle of sowing and reaping. If you plant tomato seeds, what do you expect should come up out of that ground? Tomatoes. Oh, we got some farmers in here, some gardeners. Good. That's normally how, what happens. We see that natural principle in a lot of areas of our lives. But in Galatians 6, he says, listen, if you continue to plant sin, if you continue to follow your own path and do your own thing and be disloyal to God's plan, you are going to reap the consequences of that sin. One of them being separated from God's blessing. But the good news is, is that but those of you who, who reap to the Spirit in obedience to God and doing things God's way, you will reap the benefits of eternal life. Listen, the Apostle Paul in the book of, in, in those verses there, isn't referring to salvation. He's not saying if you work hard enough and do enough good things, you're going to gain eternal life, a relationship with God. What he is saying there is that, listen, this, that eternal life, the abundant life that God has for you and for me, that he desires us to experience, this is how we do it. By obeying his law, by following his commands, by doing things God's way. But one of the unexpected consequences of sin is that when I do it, I'm going to give up God's blessing. And so something that I just want you to, to think about, a question that I want you to ask, and I, I'm going to give you three of these questions today. The first question, when, when you are wrestling and trying to rationalize whether or not you should take that step and disobey God in whatever area of your life simply is this, is that is this moment of pleasure worth giving up on God's blessing? Is this moment of pleasure, if, you, if you're taking notes, write, write this down. Is this moment of pleasure worth giving up on God's blessing? Church, we, we talk often, you've heard it in culture, um, this phrase FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's often talking about uh, people that try to experience as much as possible in this life because they don't want to miss out on something. They see uh, friends do, doing this or good, attending this event or, or having these things, and I don't want to miss out on that. And so I'm going I'm to follow after that. But what if, what if we feared missing out on God's blessing and God's best for our lives? What, what if that was a kind of spiritual FOMO that all of us had? Let me tell you something, that whatever sin you decide to pursue, it's not worth giving that up. It is never worth giving up God's blessing and God's best for your life for this, for this momentary act of pleasure, whatever that sin is for you. We see that sin separates us from God's blessing. The second thing that we see is that sin spreads farther than we expect. Deuteronomy 32, verse 51. I just want to re read this for you again. It says, God is saying, listen, this is why you're going to die on the mountain today. Verse 51, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel, at the waters of Mirabah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zen, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. What, what phrase is repeated there in that one verse? You guys tell me. Let's do a little interactive Bible study today. What phrase is repeated in that one verse? 
Hearing some whispers. In the midst. In the midst of, wow, thank you, Pastor Mike. Awesome, yes. In the midst of the people of Israel. God says that twice. And when God repeats something, he does it for a reason. God says, listen, Moses, your sin wasn't just between me and you. Your sin was in the midst of the people of Israel. So the moral of the story is just hide your sin and don't get caught. That is not the moral of the story. Don't write that down. That is not the moral of the story. But God says, listen, when we sin, it's not this, it is almost never between just us and him. There are always other people involved. And the principle that I want you to understand today is that none of us, we never sin in a vacuum. And don't go thinking about an actual vacuum cleaner. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but we never sin in a vacuum where it's just between us and God. Our sin oftentimes will impact others around us. And I don't know about you, but I can tell you time and time again where my sin has impacted other people in a negative way. And one thing that, that sin does is that sin often causes a chain reaction in people around us. Most of the time in the people that we love the most. Just a, a few months ago, um, I was wrestling with God about being ungrateful and discontent with something that I believed I deserved to have, but God chose not to give me. And I, it put me in a terrible attitude. And I, w I was angry. I was flat out angry with God because of something that he did not give or do in my life. And so I took that bitterness and anger, and like any good husband does, I brought it home. And, and I came home, and I remember one of my kids literally just did something super small. It wasn't even a big deal, but I just went off a handle on them and yelled at them for no reason. And then I saw them, who are now hurt and ashamed, and there's pain now in their life. I saw them do the same exact thing to, to one of, of their siblings. And, and God, in this moment of clarity, like stopped. He spoke to my heart and says, like, Dave, do you see what your sin has just done? Do you see that your sin of being ungrateful and being embittered against me has caused this ripple effect within your household. And I had to go and not only ask, confess my sin and ask forgiveness to the Lord, but I had to go back and ask forgiveness from, from, from my child as well. Because my sin introduced pain and chaos into their lives and it rippled throughout my family. So the first thing that our sin does is that it causes a chain reaction in sin in other people. And, I, and I'm not saying that, that you're totally responsible for everything. But I do believe, because that person, as, as they're sinning, they're responsible for that too. But am I doing something? Am I encouraging them in their walk with the Lord? Or am I bring, opening up an opportunity for sin to enter into their lives, into their hearts, and cause them to sin there as well? But not only does sin just cause a chain reaction, sin also, sin also brings us to the point where we're showing others what we actually believe about God. 
Moses, who's supposed to be the leader of God's people, right? The leader of Israel, the one who heard from God and represented God to God's people on, at that moment where he sinned and struck that rock that day, showed the rest of God's people what he really felt and what he really thought about God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's power, and God's wisdom. And by our sin, people are watching us. And when we sin, you know what they're doing? When we sin and they see it, it impacts how they view God as well. That my kids, when they see me sin, when they see me fly off the handle, when, when they see me yell when I shouldn't yell, when, I, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm embittered, when I'm, when I'm just hurtful to them, it impacts the way that they see God the Father. And when you sin, it impacts the way that other people around you view who God really is. So sin oftentimes is like a greased pig. I know we're, we're coming around upon fair season pretty soon. You guys ever seen the, those, you know, greased pig things, and they have little kids out there trying to grab it and hold it down? It's like almost impossible. Sin is very much like that. That your sin is never contained just, just to you. It's hard, to, it's hard to hold on to, and once it gets out, it makes a mess everywhere. So the next time you are based, faced with a, with a choice to sin or follow God's will, I want you to ask yourself this question. Simply is this, is this sin worth hurting those I love? Is this sin worth hurting those people I love? And you may think today, well, my sin is private, and it's not coming out. It will. And often those hidden sins that we try to hide from others when they come out are absolutely devastating, especially to the people we love the most. So I ask this question, write it down. Is this sin worth hurting those people that I love? I want to briefly work through the rest of the book of Deuteronomy. Not, not, not all of it, just nine verses. Chill out. But I want to show you guys one more thing. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 9, we see here that sin steals what could have been. Sin steals what could have been. I want to read these nine verses to you. It said, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, and Naphtali, the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the, and the plain that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give it to your offspring. I will have, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, a servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Por. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him 
So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. There's a lot there in this passage. Moses' life comes to an end. Alone, on the top of a mountain, overseeing what God was about to do. But I want to I bring your attention to one thing. Look, look with me again at verse 7. And verse 7 simply says these, this, these amazing few sentences. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated. Church, Moses did not die because he was old. He didn't. You read that, and you look at it, like, Moses is 120, of course. Like, this is it. This is the end for him. He's, like, holding on barely by, by a prayer just to get to that point. No, Moses says here that Moses' eyes were undimmed. He hadn't lost his eyesight, and his strength, his vigor, his energy was unabated. This man was full of energy, completely capable of leading God's people into the promised land. Moses didn't die because he was old. Moses died because his sin kept him from leading God's people into the promised land. He didn't die of natural causes. God took him home to be with himself. And God, in his graciousness, showed Moses what, what the whole promised land, the entire valley, but he says, Moses, you're not going to be the one to lead them in. Joshua is. And God removed Moses out of his plan and, and replaced him with Joshua. And Joshua would be the one to conquer the land there and bring his people in. But I want you to understand this one thing. Listen, sin doesn't change God's plan. It changes how we participate in it. God wasn't up there wringing his hands the day when Moses hit the rock. It wasn't like... I don't know what to do now. I have no leader for my people, but I've made these promises that they need to go into the promised land, and I don't know how this is going to happen now. God knew all along. God was already bringing Joshua along to replace Moses. So our sin doesn't, doesn't mess up or change God's plan. It just changes how you and I participate in it. And I don't know about you, church, but I want to be part of God's plan. And our prayer is that you would as well. And church, we hear almost monthly about some pastor caught in sin and being removed from ministry. But we often don't hear about the parents who have lost their godly influence on their children because they've chosen to indulge in sin. We don't hear about the opportunities lost in our workplaces because we've chosen to do things our way instead of God's way. We don't see the impact on the gospel when we're more known for the sins that we've committed more than our love for Jesus himself. And our sin doesn't change God's plan. Instead, it changes how we participate in it. And he'll still continue in what he's doing and the work that he's doing. But he's going to replace you with someone else. So the question that I want you to ask, every time you're faced with sin, simply is this, is this present sin worth losing my future ministry? Is whatever I'm deciding to do right now worth losing what God can do in and through me in the future? 
and I'm not talking about just parents, I'm talking about all of you. That all of us, I believe that God has a plan for his kingdom to, to use all of you to impact this culture and this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And is this momentary, momentary ple- pleasure of sin worth losing all that God, all that God has planned for our lives, all everything that what might could have been and what could be in our lives? And as we wrap up the life of Moses, we see those consequences. And sin separates us from the blessing of God, from God's very best for your life. That sin always spreads farther than we, than we expect it to go. It impacts those people around us. And lastly, that sin steals what could have been. But I want to focus one on this truth as we close up, that sin can never keep us from turning back to God. We talk a lot about almost this, not a downer message, it is what it is, we're going to preach God's word. But I want you to, to remember this one thing, is that whatever you've done in your past, there is hope. Sin can never keep us from turning back to God right now. And as I have been working through this portion, and as God wrecked my heart about lost opportunities because of my sin, God gave me this verse. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations 3.22. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. mercies never come to an end. And they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let me read that to you again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. Church, many of us have allowed our lives to be defined by our sin, to be defined by things that we had done in our past, and, and we, we believe the lie that this is who we are now. I'm an adulterer. I'm a, I, I'm a gossip. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm prideful. But church, every time that we have failed, God still remains faithful. This verse in Lamentations is still true today. Your life doesn't have to be defined by your sin. Your life can be defined by God's mercy, God's forgiveness, and God's transforming power in your life. And I'm not saying that your sin, what you've done in the past, won't have consequences. Because we saw in Galatians chapter 6, it does. And our sin, the consequences of it are real and, and God, in his goodness, leaves them there to, to, to drive us back to himself. I was ta- talking this over with my kids last night, and it's like, what kind of parents would we be if we said, kids, you can do whatever you want, and we're never going to punish it? My kids, who are 10 and 9, that, guys, you'd be terrible parents. Because we'd never know, we'd never be drawn back. We'd never see the consequences of our sin. I want to close with this. One of my favorite 
portions in, in all of Scripture is that the story of the prodigal son. Many of us know, know the story, but there's a story of a very wealthy, wealthy dad. But two sons, and the one son said, Dad, I want your inheritance now. I want, I want all that you're going to give me when you die, Dad. I want it now. And his father, in, in his goodness, gave it to him and allowed him to experience, experience that sin and gave him the capability of doing so. And that prodigal son went out, wasted all that money, and lived a very sinful life doing whatever he wanted. And, and when the consequences of sin had ruined his life, when he had nothing left, the son, in, he was in the middle of a pigsty, said, it's better for me to go home. And that son recognized his sin, acknowledged where he had walked away from the Lord and said, I can go home and at least be a slave, a servant in my father's house would be better than living in the midst of my sin. And one of, one of the most beautiful verses in that portion is where the son, the son is coming home and the father is watching there, waiting for his son. Waiting for his son to return. And the son came and ran and fell, fell at his feet and said, Lord, Father, I just want to be one of your servants. And he picked him up and gave him new clothes and, and celebrated his, his, his return. And his older brother was so upset. He said, Dad, why would you celebrate him coming back? And the dad said, listen, he's one of us. He's my son. And yes, there are consequences for his sin. Yes, there are opportunities lost. There are blessings that have lost, but he's mine. And that truth from that parable is still true in your life today. And if you are a child of God that has wandered away, done your own thing, and rejected God's best and God's desire for your life, it is never too late to turn back to him. Never. Scripture teaches that anyone who comes back and confesses their sin that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Scripture says that God takes our sin, especially our, our confessed, acknowledged sin, and he throws it into the depths of the sea. That in his mind, in his relationship with, with you, and when you acknowledge your sin and confess it and turn from it, that there can be a new start. And that from that moment forward, you can experience fellowship with God again. So it's my prayer that today would be the day that you do just that. That you turn whatever sin you've been struggling with, whatever sin you've been going through, whatever, whatever you have been putting in the place of God himself, that you would leave that at his feet today and decide to turn back to a God who loves you whose mercies are new each and every morning.
church, we love you enough not to encourage you to do that today. This is what God wants for your life. And if you're here today and maybe you're at church for the very first time, and, and you are here, you, you, you came today because, because of your sin, because your life is a mess, and you're just looking for something. I'm glad you're here today. Because God's, God's word says that, yes, the cost of sin is high. And sin will ruin and wreck every aspect of your life. But God didn't leave us there. But God, out of his love for you, sent his only son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who fulfilled God's righteous standards so that you and I don't have to. And he died on the cross as our substitute, taking all of your sin upon himself and dying for it so that you wouldn't have to die for your sin. Taking the wrath of God so you and I wouldn't have to take that wrath upon ourselves. And he rose again three days later, proving that he is a son of God. And he offers for you today eternal life for anyone who believes in him. Says, I can't do this on my own, God. I need your help. And if, you are, if you're here, and that's a you today, and God is drawing on your heart, know that you're here for a purpose. To do business with God today. And so if you're here, we'd love to talk with you after the service. I'll be up front for a while. I'd love to have that conversation with you to show you from God's word what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Not following a bunch of rules, not... Adding, adding a new religion to your, to your worldview. It is a relationship with Jesus. Or if you're not there yet and you're still just kind of struggling and you just want to know more information about what it looks like to be a, to be a Christian, we, we have these information packets right up front. One, uh, one thing is, is the Gospel of John. It's a book written, a, a book from the Bible written so that you may know that you have eternal life. We love to get that in your hands. The, the other part of that packet is, is, is a booklet called Ultimate Questions. And it answers some of the biggest questions that people have before coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We love to, to have, have you grab one of these and just, just walk out and read it on your own time. And if you have questions about it later on, we'd love to have you reach out to us. But folks, don't leave today without doing business with God. Because yes, sin does have, a, have its consequences, but it's never too late to turn back to him. So church, I'm going to invite the praise team forward as we're going to close up with one more song celebrating the goodness and faithfulness of God. And I want to pray over you guys. Because I believe Satan doesn't want you to do business today. Satan doesn't want you to confess sin, get things right with God. But God is calling you to that today. And so if you need... If you need to do business with God today, we'd, we'd encourage you to do that. If you need to come up front and pray, we'd encourage you to do that. You can do it from the, from the comfort of your seats as well. So let's, let's stand. Let me pray over you, and we're going to close with one more song today. Let's, let's stand. So Heavenly Father, God, I'm so thankful for these last two portions, last two chapters in Deuteronomy. God, we see we have a firsthand approach, you know, the consequences and costs of sin, and they are high. And God, I pray over our people today. God, I pray, God, that you would just work in their hearts. 
God, I pray that the devastating effects of sin would not take hold in their lives, Lord, that they would run to your mercy that is new every day, that they would come and find forgiveness and be cleansed from all of their sins. And I pray, God, that today would be a fresh start in their walk with you. And for those who do not know you as our Lord and Savior, God, I pray, God, that today would be the day where they accept the free gift of salvation from your son, Jesus Christ. And they would begin a lifetime journey of walking with you today, Father. So God, I thank you, God, for your word, the power that it has to change hearts and change lives. God, would, you, would, have, would your spirit just move in our midst today, beginning in my heart as well. We love you, God. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.